our trip wrapped up by going to the African Birding Expo. It was hard to leave this cherished place and watch it get smaller through the plane window. <laughs> Thank you for tuning in to Hannah and Eric Go Birding, a podcast by birders for birders. I'm Hannah and he's Eric. And we created this podcast to share adventures, sometimes misadventures, and opinions that we have on different birding topics. We are definitely not experts and anything that we discuss that might be controversial, we want you to remember there are our own opinions and they might be different from yours. So I feel like we need to confess something. Yes, confession we're, time. <laughs> we're recording this episode um, much more in advance than we normally do. Yeah, nor- normally we record the day before it's released um, so we can make sure everything's uh, like up to date and if there's any kind of news that we've talked about it. or And so we don't have anything that comes up at the last second before we um, release the episode. So we're bringing you the latest. Yeah. Not, not that we really have a lot of latest to bring anyone. Yeah, a lot of birding, you know, with the stuff like that. It's taxonomic things or, or you know, news that's like not necessarily timely. Maybe it's because we just procrastinate and we wait until the absolute last second to record. I don't maybe. know. But right now we're recording two weeks before this episode comes out. Mm-hmm. So we don't have any news for this episode. I don't know if there's any reviews. There haven't been the last couple not of weeks. Not that we're aware so of. I don't know. If you leave a review between now and then, then uh, if it, if we don't talk about it, I'm sorry. Uh, we'll talk about it in the next episode. Um, though we do know what Hannah's episode that came out last week, as, as of you're listening to this, or next week as of recording of this. Yeah, so uh, I interviewed Rachel Clark for my uh, podcast, Women Birders Happy Hour, um, who is a biologist and guide in California. So it was so much fun to to talk with her. Um, you know, I've been following her on Instagram for a really long time, and she posts amazing photos of the the birds uh, that she sees there, which mm-hmm. are a lot of the same birds that we have here. As she was like, kind of talking about what's special about her area, it was yeah. like wren tits and things like that. And it's like, yes, yeah, those yes, are my birds so cool. too. <laughs> um, and the cocktail for that episode is a western tanager. So make sure to check it out if you get a chance. Um, as well as you know, I have a backlog of forty some odd episodes. Um, Each one is interviewing a different woman birder in the world and a different bird cocktail. So check it out. Yeah, super cool. Um, And so then the reason why we're recording this early is we don't know what our internet situation will be when we're in South Africa. And And we've also realized when we're traveling, it's hard to put uh, out an episode. It's very difficult. We we had that problem a few years ago when we went to Ecuador. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and it was a whole panic mode for uh, a good 48 hours while we tried to find reliable enough Wi-Fi to upload the large file that a podcast um, mm-hmm. comes as, as its raw format. So it's... Uh, it's much more. It's much less stressful if we do it before we leave than uh, trying to do it while we're gone. Especially, yeah. especially if we're going to be talking about something that we don't need information from the trip to do. So, so anyways, anyways, um, South Africa, and uh, we're you know on board for the San Diego Birding Festival in the middle of February. Yeah. So we're super excited about that. Um, I think as of yesterday, there were like two days that still had availability for our biking tours. Um, yeah. which is ton of fun, like 10 miles biking around Mission Bay. Uh, super, super easy, mostly flat, nice nice and fun bike and ride around beautiful. Mission Bay. Yeah, and lots of good birds. Lots and lots of good birds. And then if, if you don't get on the bike tours with us, there's all sorts of other opportunities to see other birds on all the other trips. Um, I feel like there's a handful of other trips still. Not many left that have spots, but there, there are a few trips that still have spots. 
Um, and then one of, one of the big ones is you can basically just kind of hang out at the headquarters there and see tons of birds too. Yeah. It's, you're right. You're right there next to the next to the river. You got tons of birds. Awesome, awesome time there. Can't wait. And to, San Diego can't wait to get cool. down. And San Diego's cool. So I can't yeah. wait to get down there in a couple weeks. Um, so our bird nerd giveaway, we announced it in our last episode. It is a ride for a woman, um, handmade coasters mm-hmm. that we purchased from the Ride for a Woman Lodge when we were in um, Uganda, in Bawindi, Uganda. And so what we asked you to do was to uh, give us your 2022 New Year's resolution, whether it's birdie or it's not birdie, you know, that's not one of the stipulations. Um, (laughs) So the deadline for that was January 25th. um, Mm -hmm. And as we mentioned, we're recording this in advance. So we don't, we don't have our winner announced right now in the show. By the the time you hear this, the winner is announced or the the winner has been decided. Yeah. We'll post it on social media. Yes. Um, And then make sure to check out our next bird nerd giveaway which we'll announce in february so thank you all for those of you who um who participated and we hope the winner really enjoys these handwoven coasters we bought a set for ourselves too yeah so uh we're definitely in love with them they are awesome and um you know it goes towards supporting a, a good thing yeah yeah so stay, stay tuned for next month um and the way you can submit just send us emails send us tag us on social media basically any way that you can get our attention um, yeah. count, counts as a submission. <laughs> uh, we plop all those into an Excel spreadsheet and randomize it, and and there we go. So, main story. So the reason we're all here today. If you've skipped ahead in the minutes from the um, the skippers, if you're one of the skippers, if you're one of the skippers, um, this is where you'll end up um, right here, listening to uh, us talk about the African Bird Expo. Yeah, they know that already, Eric. Oh yeah, who's in the title of the episode? Yeah. yeah. That makes sense. Um, yeah, so part of the whole, so we mentioned this is our fourth episode about our trip to Uganda, and we mentioned in the first episode that this was a fam tour trip. Mm-hmm. And if you haven't listened to that, you know, go back and we'll describe it a little bit better. But a fam tour is uh, a tour that's typically put on by like a you know a tourism agency or a government or something like that to um, try to get the word out about something to you know, a wider audience. And so, um, you know, some of us are bird influencers, some of us are writers, a variety of different things that got invited to come to this trip. And it all, you know, there was the the trip to go around Uganda and see it and everything. Mm -hmm. And then that all culminated into the African Birding Expo, which um, was supposed to be, you know, a ginormous a conference with people from all over Africa participating, of course, with uh, COVID that was changing day by day. Yeah, every single day, um, it it was, it's on, it's off, it's on, it's off. The whole time we were there, and then it was kind of like, oh, well, these all these countries have canceled. Um, some of these, like South Africa and uh, Kenya, and there, there was a number of uh, countries that were uh, surrounding Uganda and south from Uganda. That because of the spreading Omicron, they were concerned that uh, they wouldn't be able to get in, they wouldn't be able to get out, they were going to spread. There, there was all sorts of concern because there was a developing uh, uh, substrain. There, there, there was a developing uh, variant. variant of uh, COVID that was um, that that is kind of roam, roaming around. It was de- it was developing, so then they didn't know what to do. So um, a number of the countries, I don't think, I think a couple people from Kenya made it. Um, I'm not sure. But it kind of seemed like basically it, it this this year because of it it kind of got eliminated down to just people from basically just people from Uganda and then yeah and then our group and then our group because um, we because we were 
we were basically in country when Omicron started. Yeah. So we were, we were already kind of down there, so we just continued on. Yeah, so um, before we get into the African Birding Expo, we had one more, we had to get back to Entebbe for it. Yeah. And Kampala. And so um, when we last left our heroes, <laughs> <laughs> they were, we were in Murchison Falls, uh, which was, you know, just a gorgeous grassland habitat. But it, like the, the hotel that we stayed, the lodge that we stayed on mm-hmm. was right on the river mm-hmm. or a lake, I guess. And yeah. so I was like, the whole time it's like, where are these falls? You yeah, know, yeah, the, it was Mur- Murchison Murchison Falls National mm-hmm. Park, but we had not we we had gone over the River Nile um, to get there, but we hadn't seen any other like water features. Like, why this whole place is called Murchison Falls, but there is no <laughs> falls. And this national park is ginormous, by the way. Um, I mean, we you could drive one end to the other end; it would take you a couple hours mm-hmm. on improved roads. And yeah. as we mentioned in our last episode. Um, the Chinese government is pumping a ton of money into the roads in Uganda. And so, um, this was one of the spots where it has, it's in the process of being improved. Um, so it's, it's nice, you know, paved roads through there. And Mm -hmm. so like, it's, you could drive like a a substantial speed to get from one place to another, but it'd still take you a while Yeah, because it's so large was my point. (laughs) (laughs) So... We had to go find the falls. That yeah. was, Her- Herbert was like, we need to go find the falls. Specifically, there's... Well, he knew where they were, so yeah. it's not he, like we were... Just... He, he wasn't searching. He had to show us the falls. <laughs> um, but uh, we, we're, more, more than the falls, um, we're on a bird trip, and there's a specific species of bird that the best place to see them is at Murchison Falls. Mm-hmm. Um, it's called a rock Pratt and call. So we were, he was like, we need to go see this. We need to make sure we, this is our last stop. Yeah. On, it's on the way to Entebbe from um, the Pakuba Safari Lodge. So we got on the road the last morning, started headed out, um, got uh, crossed the river. Um, I think I post- we posted a video of me making some silly Disney jokes yeah. <laughs> when we uh, went back across the bridge over the river. Um, and then we, we headed up kind of into the Nobody really the appreciated our Jungle Cruise uh, banter. <laughs> no, the whole, the whole time we were around um, the Nile, it was like, we need, we need to make as many jokes as we can Jungle Cruise related yeah, from, so. from, from Disney, the Disney Park uh, ride. Um, nobody seemed to understand or get it or appreciate it, but, but we were making ourselves laugh. Yeah, that's what's important. <laughs> um, yeah, so we wound around a little bit more, and then we got to this big parking lot, you know, that was kind of seemingly in the middle of nowhere. Yeah, it seems like it was in the middle of nowhere. It seems like a random parking lot. There wasn't anyone else there at the parking we, lot. We all really thought that there was going to be, like, a coffee stand there. Yeah, we thought, like, a bathroom coffee. We thought some sort of infrastructure, but no, it's just a, <laughs> just a parking lot at the end of a road, yeah. out of a dead end. A lot of a lot of the really really scenic places in Uganda have seemed to be like you're you're thinking oh we're gonna get there and there's gonna be like a whole bunch of fanfare and then you get there and the parking lot and the place that you're at no fanfare and then you go out and see these spectacular views. Well, in, but, but with no fanfare to, to lead up to it, so it's it's kind of interesting. And you know, in the America, like most of the national parks have like a park headquarters with a store and you know restaurant or something a, like that. A giant that. sign saying "Welcome to" and all that stuff. But, yeah. Uh, not 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 so much in Uganda. Maybe it's part of their developing um, tourism infrastructure sort of plan. Maybe, and it's not necessarily something you need. It's oh, just it's not necessary. Something in the U.S. You know that we're accustomed to. Yeah, and exactly. It wasn't necessary. I mean, it didn't make the falls any less spectacular that there wasn't a coffee stand 
All in I the want, parking lot. All I want is a bathroom, you know, <laughs> at these places, <laughs> which they did have a bathroom. Yeah, so. they did. They did have a bathroom with uh, running water. So. Yeah, so that was perfect. Yeah. Um. So we yeah get to the parking lot and then wander down the trail a little bit, and you know the falls were right there, yeah. a couple hundred feet down the trail. Yeah. So they were. So Hannah and I were. From, we're from Oregon, in the Pacific Northwest of the United States. Um, I was actually Googling this before. I've always thought that we had a lot of waterfalls in Oregon. Yeah. Like I've always thought if Oregon has tons of waterfalls, apparently there's only 238 recognized waterfalls in the United States, or in, in Oregon. And then uh, we're like ranked like 19th in all the states. Really? <laughs> yeah. I was very surprised. California has like 1,100. Well, uh, it's a big state. It's a big state, yeah. But but I, I was just thinking like I've always thought of Oregon as a lot of waterfalls. But it, it's it comes back, that comes to, for me, to an elementary school taking, we took a canoe trip um, to the Willamette Falls where we kind of looked up at the Willamette Falls, which mm-hmm. they're, the, the Willamette Falls is the largest um, waterfall by volume in west of the Rockies, um, in, and the, in the United States. It's huge. It's not particularly tall. No, it's, it's not super tall. It's really wide. But Multnomah Falls is the falls that everybody thinks of yeah. up here because it's really tall it's and really scenic. Tall. Yeah. But there's, so we, we have a whole bunch of different waterfalls. We have, we have a state park, Silver Falls, that has a whole, that has a nine mile trail with nine different waterfalls that you go to. Yeah. And so waterfalls are, we're used to that. That's something we grew up with. That's something we've seen tons and tons of times. So mm-hmm. I was thinking like, oh, I'm not going to be that blown away. Like it's, <laughs> I saw the river. It's not as big as the Willamette River. So you know, it's, it's, it's going to be some waterfall, but it, it was pretty, pretty awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So Willamette Falls, like I said, is like 1400 feet wide. Mm-hmm. It's huge. It's, it's super wide. It's a big, huge horseshoe, kind of like Niagara Falls, big, big, wide horseshoe. Um, but, uh, Murchison Falls is like this chute. It's, it's only, um, it's, I think it's 21 feet wide. That's it? Yeah. It's 21 feet wide and it has, um, one third of the flow as Willamette Falls. So it's smaller, but it's only 21 feet wide. It's not Mm -hmm. 1400 feet wide. Yeah. So it's all of this power just crammed into this 21 foot or seven meters. If, um, if you're listening from outside of, uh, United States, (laughs) um, seven meter wide waterfall. This just like just blowing water, just like it's a torrent. Like it is, it is intense, and you can't talk when you're around it. It was, it's just so loud. Mm-hmm. I took a couple of videos of uh, while we were there, the waterfall and stuff, and it's just overwhelming the sound. So, oh yeah, super super cool um, waterfall. Um, yeah, and d- despite it being smaller than what uh, water, the big waterfall in Oregon. Well, and like you were saying, you know that it just it has so much power to it. Mm-hmm. I really want to go back and see, like you know, I took some pictures that weren't necessarily pretty, but they were kind of like diagnostic pictures. <laughs> which is a terrible word for that. Um, but they any- were scientific pictures. Well, anyways, because you know, if we ever go back, I want to see like if there actually has been changes. Because if, if you can see the change, yeah, because like it has so much power going, like the water is flowing so fast and hard. Yeah. And, you know, I'm just curious to see if I go back in 10 years, you know, is it going to have eroded away a little bit? If if, the plat- if that end of the platform where you stand on, if you're looking upriver, like... Yeah, any further. 50 feet to get to the waterfall? Well, I don't think that much. <laughs> well, like Niagara Falls, like it's... it's Niagara Falls is huge. It's monstrous. Um, and it, it moves back a, a couple inches per year, I think. Really? Yeah, because just because of the erosion of the water pulling pulling sediment and stuff through. Well, and see, this one's easier to tell because like where you it's, stand, it's narrow. <laughs> well, yeah, and where you stand, you're like right at the at the falls. Yeah. So it's not like you're looking up or down or anything. Like you're you're not looking at this giant scenic thing that's way out there. Yeah, yeah. exactly. 
So, and like, I can't even imagine how you would do that with Niagara. Like there's just so much water flow. What are they going to have to do? I, I don't know. So the, um, it's, it's a pretty exciting and impressive waterfall. And actually I was looking at the Wikipedia page for the waterfall and the little icon or the little um, small thumbnail picture that it has of mm-hmm. the waterfall yeah. is from downstream looking up at the waterfall, like from a, from a kind of a good distance back. And it looks like what you would see in like a video game or a movie of like, you're in like tropical Africa oh. and here's a waterfall. Like it was like this forest with a waterfall coming through a canyon. So it, it doesn't look real. The yeah. picture, it's like, that looks fake, but that's, <laughs> that is exactly what it is. It is like this picturesque, like torrent of water <laughs> coming through a forest but very impressive yeah beautiful place and like eric said you know it's the place to go see rock prankles yeah and after you know looking at the falls for 10 15 minutes um a couple people found them so yeah. we were able to get on them and get that bird yeah so there, there was there i think there was four total there there was two that were far away and we were looking at them all excited about the ones that were kind of far like all the way on the other side of the falls and then uh while we were all distracted by the the torrent <laughs> of water um Either those moved closer or two more two more came in mm-hmm. and they were just like hanging out. So it's it's a species that's kind of like a torrent duck or a American dipper or there, there, there's a number of species that they just love hanging out near fast flowing water. Yeah. And so that's that's just what they're doing. They're sitting on the rocks in the middle of the river when it's just flowing like crazy. So lots of lots of videos, lots of pictures. Um I can't wait to finish getting through my pictures for Uganda. <laughs> I haven't I haven't gotten to that day yet. I'm I'm like I have two more days and then I'll be I'll be caught up to that day. So I'm 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 getting closer. I can al- oh, almost like, do the pictures. It looks like we came up with eight rock fratten calls. Eight, eight rock fratten calls yeah. on the list. Okay. Yeah, but also just you know a number of species that we, we well we only put eight on the list, but I mean just really good looks at at things like darters and bee eaters and. Um, had bank swallows there, which, you know, we yeah, have in the U.S. swallows here in the U.S. too. <laughs> um, Angola swallows. Uh, lots of swallows, of course, you uh, know, hanging you're, around. You're at the top of a river, and it's, it's kind of, there's a little bit of flat water or flat-ish water right before the falls. So they're all, all the swallows were kind of flying around low right there, eating bugs. And, uh, yeah, so we, we got our fill, and then as we were heading out, there was a, a Eurasian hoopoe on the side of the road. So. Yeah. That was our only hoopo, our only Ugandan, Uganda trip. Our only Ugandan Eurasian hoopo yeah. of the trip. So that was that was exciting. But yeah, so we we got we got our fill, headed out, saw that hoopo, and then headed all the way back into uh, into um, Kampala and then down to Entebbe, which actually I completely forgot about. Even even though I wasn't even going to mention it, but uh, um, our bus broke down again when we were going into Kampala. Because of the rough roads, oh. the battery terminals came off the battery, <laughs> yeah. so, then, so then the um, vehicle stalled, and then Alex, our trusty bus engineer, mm-hmm. put the put the battery back together, tightened stuff up, and we took off going again. Fortunately, it was in the middle of a bunch of traffic. Yeah, that was crazy. <laughs> was like in the middle of traffic, all all of a sudden the bus turns off, and we're like, "Why? Why is he? Are we are we getting out? Yeah, is it, is this where we're stopping for lunch? Oh, and that's another point. So, um, <laughs> in uh. In the bigger cities in Uganda, they have um, what's called boda bodas, uh, oh, yeah. which are the are the like taxi service and their motorbikes. 
And so if you need a taxi when you're down there, you know, you just yell at Boda Boda and there's one right there who's going to pick you up and take you wherever you need to go. Yeah, su- super quick. Um, um, we didn't try one. We, d- we didn't do that. Mark, our, uh, one of our... Um, one guys. of our other guides, he he hopped out. He he had somewhere to go. Um, well, it was his birthday. I think he oh, was going to like a party or something. Yeah. So he, he hopped out, and before his feet were on the ground, <laughs> he was already sitting on a motorbike taking off. Like like it was super quick. He just hopped out, boda boda, and he's we're all he, like he's already rolling along, and it's we're like, all like where's Mark going? Where's he going? <laughs> but it's super quick. So they're 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 right on top of it. Um, like getting people transported around, especially in the big cities. So yeah, it was really interesting to watch. Yeah. And like in a lot of these, um, these countries in Africa and Asia, you know, motorbikes are very common, very common and so many more of them than, than vehicle, than cars yeah. or buses. And they, and they use them for, for everything It's used. It's the method of transportation. Like we think in, in the United States, like, Oh, you have a, you have a motorcycle, as like a thing to show off or like, oh, well, you, you just ride it because you want to ride. Yeah. Um, but there it's you you load up a mattress and you put your mattress on your shoulder and ride your motorbike to bring it home when you went shopping. I think I saw like five people on one at one point. Yeah. Then. I mean, and when, when we went to Indonesia, there was yeah. like full families like riding on bikes. Like that's like on a single bike, a whole family. So it's 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 the method of transportation and they they get it done. You yeah. you don't you don't need a full size pickup, <laughs> four four door extended long bed pickup to to move a, a refrigerator. You just a couple ropes and your <laughs> motorbike and you get that you get it home. So anyways, um we were back at that point, you know, after fighting through the traffic for a bit, we got back to our initial hotel that we started out at yeah. in Entebbe. Um, which was the airport view hotel, which, you know, had really good birding in the courtyard. So that is always appreciated. Um, and then, then, you know, had a good night's sleep. And then the next day was the start of the African birding expo. Day one of the expo. So, uh, day one of the expo was basically, um, it was most of the presentations, Mm -hmm. um, were done that day. So, um, Hannah and I presented on, uh, marketing, um, Uganda to an American audience, um, Dominic Cousins, um, one of the other people that was on our trip. He was a award-winning, uh, Award, author. Award-winning author. <laughs> he, uh, he presented on how to market towards, uh, UK, uh, visitors. Um, Ted Floyd from the American Birding Association, he presented a, um, about how to do travel writing and mm-hmm. how, um, how best to, I, it was something, I, it was kind of, um, really niche but it was um the differences between um older travel writing and newer travel writing and how to use those to market yourself Mm -hmm. and then there was also a ton of different people from 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 in the country so judith marimbe um presented the ugandan wildlife authority um the national um tourism director herbert and so many others presented on tons of different topics you know and i really um i really enjoyed Stephen aswami's uh, presentation and he's uh, actually on the board of the um, International Conference for Women Birders that mm-hmm. I'm a part of. And so I'm really excited that he's on there because um, he's with, you know, he works within Uganda and he's just such an expert in tourism. And it was, his presentation was so good and hilarious. And <laughs> he, um, you know, he, he started off by saying like, is anyone here from Oregon? <laughs> and I was like, I don't know if he knows we're from Oregon, but it was like, yes, in oh, fact, we are. There's two of us here from Oregon. <laughs> um, and so then he likened how Oregon and Uganda are, you know, similar. Like That's the, a very common comparison over there yeah. for some reason. <laughs> even, even though 
Oregonians and Americans don't go to Uganda that much. That's like the comparison that they always use. <laughs> it was in like all the marketing material about how Uganda and Oregon are the same size. Which is actually really nice how many people over there like knew about Oregon because yeah. like there's so many places that we've been in the world where people are like, where are you from? And we're like, oh, we're from Oregon. And they're like, where's that? And it's like, it's north of California. It's above California. It's above California. <laughs> because most people outside the U.S., you know, know California, Texas, New York. Yeah. Are like the, the major, well, in Florida, are like some of the major places that people know about. And so Oregon doesn't always make that list. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's, for an international visitor, there's not a lot like that's like, you need to go to Oregon oh, to find sure. this. I mean, yeah. we, don't, we don't have international like acclaim. Like, I mean, we what do. Are you coming for? Yeah, we get a lot of, we, do, we, get, we get a lot of people, but there's, it's not like, what are you coming for? Like, Oregon's got scenic stuff. We have yeah. waterfalls. We, we, we just have stuff. We have Haystack Rock, but it's not like, Disneyland. No. It's not... Sure. Like, these big things, like Statue of Liberty and um, the whole Staten Island and all... Like, all that stuff, we don't have that. Yeah. So... Well, anyway, so it was just kind of fun that he, like, called out Oregon. Yeah. It's like, yes, we are, in fact, from there. (laughs) (laughs) But um, it's because, and I think we mentioned this in another episode, but Oregon and Uganda are the same size. Mm -hmm. And um, they have about twice as many birds as Oregon does and about six times as many people. Um, which, you know, was actually a really good comparison for us at least because we're, we're very familiar with Oregon. So it's like, what would it be like if there were eight times more people here (laughs) coming back, you know? So it's, it was a really good, um, comparison tool for us. Yeah. I, I've thought about that a lot and, you know, it was fun because, um, Steven's son, I think he said goes to college that's in Oregon. Yeah. So, you know, I'm hoping he'll make it out sometime and we get to meet him. Yeah, we could show him around Oregon. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So, anyways, a lot of really good presentations. Mm -hmm. And afterwards, we had a lunch out in the the field that's next to the museum that the conference was being held at. Yeah. Yeah, the the lunch where uh, where Ted was throwing up his uh, leftovers to the black kites. Okay, so there were black kites was... on this field. There was like it was a pretty large field, you yeah. know, and we're all just kind of sitting around. They had a barbecue going mm-hmm. um, to to make lunch, and, and the, the smell of the cooking meat attracted a lot of uh, wildlife. Yeah, so, uh, marabou storks, uh, black kites. We had a number of vultures that were all circling lower and lower and lower. African hobbies, like, way, way up there. Yeah. But we had about, the count was 39 um, black heights. Just, like, just not mean mugging us. They were, they were, like, They coming, were swooping they were super su- low. Yeah, that's what I was trying to they, say. They, 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 they wanted to get what we had. Which was incredible to see these birds that close. Yeah, and I, I wish I would have thought to do it, but there, there was a lot of people talking, and there was a lot of activity going on, but uh, the sounds that the black kites were making... Mm-hmm. Um, we we talked about it a bit in our group. Um, they sounded like gulls, like it's, yeah, it sounded did. like you were at the ocean. Yeah, like here here when you have all the gulls that are kind of swooping around trying to get everyone's French fries and all that stuff. Like mm-hmm. that's what it was like. But they're black kites. Yeah, so yeah, much bigger, much bigger, and much much meaner looking with their giant uh, giant hook bills and um and big claws and stuff like that. But they're they're still swooping around and acting like gulls do. So that was that was really fascinating. Yeah. So, um, you know, we just kind of chilled the, the rest of that day, um, went, you know, walked around the, the lodge a little bit more mm-hmm. or not the lodge, the, um, the museum. Yeah. The museum. Yeah. And yeah. So we just went back to the lodge, kind of chilled. And then the next day was when we were, uh, to meet everyone at the botanical gardens. Yeah. The Entebbe Botanical Gardens, which 
are pretty awesome. They're yeah. they're huge, and it's more of a park. Yeah, like botanical gardens. I think of um, like we've been to a, a number of them. I think of them usually as really structured mm-hmm. and like you know organized planning. I think this was organized at you one so? point, and then um, they really embraced allowing a lot of these plants to mature Mm -hmm. and do their thing. So, like, there was labels on a lot of stuff. Not most of the stuff, but there was labels on a lot of stuff. And I think it's just um, a lot of the um, plants were planted to see how they would do. So there was um, a couple test sections Mm -hmm. of different uh, varieties of plantains and different varieties of things that they could grow. And then um, they would bring them in, grow them in the botanical garden, see if they do well. And then then go out and plant them in the countryside if they're okay. doing well. I, that was what somebody had uh, um, explained some of the test plots as. So we arrived, you know, our bus arrived, and there was already a number of other groups out there already birding. Mm-hmm. And so um, they were like, well, kind of divide yourself up and go hang out with a group. So um, Doug Gotchfeld, Eric, and I, we joined uh, Judith Mirmbe mm-hmm. and the group that she was walking with uh, for the hike. So yeah. that was so much fun to meet them and um, kind of same with the the BEARC group that we were with in the, our last episode yeah. was that not everybody had binoculars. So, um, you know, we were passing our binoculars around, giving everybody a chance to, to use them. And I also had my scope because, you know, why well, have a scope and not bring it everywhere is my <laughs> motto. <laughs> um, I also enjoy birding via scope a lot more <laughs> than with binoculars. So we had that available for everyone, and we just had a really good hike with this group. I think there was maybe eight of us in the the group. Yeah, something like that. Um, we, I didn't, uh, I didn't charge my camera, so um, I didn't, I didn't have. I, I let, I let them use. I let my binoculars kind of travel around the group the the whole time, um, and so I, I was just like, oh well, I'll just look at things. I'll just yeah. enjoy. I'll just have a good time, a good hike. Um, because I, I, I was planning on, I would just use my camera to like zoom in and see things, but uh, but then I realized like. 15 minutes in, like, oh, my camera's dead. <laughs> <laughs> so I didn't even really get any pictures that day at all. Um, but but it, it was an awesome time. Judith, um, incredible amount of knowledge mm-hmm. of um, the plants, um, the mammals, the the birds, everything of the area um, going through. And she she went through. There was, there was a couple different uh, um, pictures I took of her um, explaining to the group differences, um, subtle differences between... Um, two different swallows or two different, uh, two different hawks that are flying and, and stuff like that, where she was just educating the whole group. So it was, it was, an, it was fun. It was and, a great walk. And Judith is, you know, she's someone that I've been aware of for a really long time because mm-hmm. she's very active in the, um, women birder, um, you know, messages and boards and everything like that. Yeah. She, uh, there was an article that came out a number of years ago that was like top women birders in the world or something like that, or women who are changing the game. And she was, um, you know, a big part of that article. Yeah. And so if you want to find out more about her, you know, make sure to look her up, but she mm-hmm. also is on Instagram and she's doing work she's on Shoebill. Shoebill chick. Yeah. yeah. Shoebill chic. Shoebill chic. Is that I what it is? C H I C. C H I C. Okay. I think so. Um, we'll figure it out and put it in the show notes, yeah. but she, um, is doing a lot of work on shoe bills right now. So that's very exciting. And it's so cool. Um, you know, that we got to hang out with her and go birding with her, but it was just such a good day of birding. It was warmer out, but you know, the birds were hanging out in easily viewable areas. Mm-hmm. We had, you know, this Egyptian goose that was just like <laughs> sitting on top of a branch that, yeah. you know, was just right there. 
Um, we went out to Lake Victoria, and we got a we got a couple lifers from yeah, Lake Victoria. The, the blue cheek bee eater. That was I think that was our our only blue cheek bee mm-hmm. eaters were that day, and they were they were kind of distant. Um, they were they were playing around at the top of a tree. Um, but so many it, it, again back to so many marabou storks. Like these th- these guys are so goofy looking. Like if you've <laughs> If if you don't know, I'll I'll put it in the show notes. The um a link to um to the eBird so you can kind of look at all sorts of weird pictures of these guys. But they have like this giant waddle that some of them like swing down. Like they inflated and deflated for to for different uh, communication purposes, I imagine. Mm-hmm. Um, but they'll sometimes they'll deflate it and be hanging down, slap on their shoulders as they're flying. Like it's just like the weirdest like thing they're just like they're kind of gross looking but they're really but you can't take your eyes off of them because they're interesting <laughs> but there's tons of those guys um kind of around while we're while we're wandering gray parrot was a lifer when we were there oh yeah the african gray parrot yeah yeah the, just absolutely beautiful which was so weird because like eric one of his neighbors growing up mm-hmm. raised them yeah and sold them yeah she she rose um when, it was like my babysitter went from earliest i can remember um for whatever reason, I don't know how she got into it, but her uh, one of her coworkers would give her eggs, and so then she would, uh, or no, I think she got the I think she got the chicks right after they hatched. Mm-hmm. I think I think she got them immediately after hatching, and then she would have to feed them with an eyedropper, raise raise and raise them from basically by hand until they were like a year old or something yeah. and then she would give them back and then she would get paid for her time taking care of them and then the, the person would sell sell off the 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 captive captive raised uh african grays so there so instead of like going out and pet the um exotic pet trade capturing sure. wild animals that she they were raising them raising them um captive which was i i don't i don't really know the ethics and the stuff behind like that sort of thing but mm-hmm. i imagine it's better to be hand raising rather than capturing from the wild but uh but it was it was, it was really interesting to then see this bird in the wild like just flying around when <laughs> when i remember them being in uh burton verney's like living room yeah in in the cages and in the little incubators and stuff so it's weird to see it in yeah know, out, out of nature one. where they're <laughs> supposed to be yeah um we also had the black-headed paradise flycatcher yeah like right at the cool. end yeah so that was a good bird but yeah i mean we birded around there for like three hours or so and just tons of good good things <laughs> well, which and then the, the then the final like straw that was just like oh with well the... hang on so yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. all right so um we're kind of done birding after a couple hours and we get back we get to where like the afternoon was going to take place. Yeah, you know? we are going to have some more presentations, and then Herbert was kind of gathering everyone together. Yeah, and so we walked down the hill towards Lake Victoria, where everybody was kind of just hanging around, and then all of a sudden everybody was like, there's a bat hawk! It, so there was, a, there was a couple people that were like, oh, there's a bat hawk over there. Yeah. And so then I was like, well, we haven't seen a bat hawk, so I was trying to get Hannah's attention. I was yelling, Hannah, there's a bat hawk. And then I knew Doug... That was, he had said something the day before, he had said something about wanting to see one, so yeah. then I was like, hey, Doug, Doug, over, over here there's a bat hawk, and so then I was getting, like, excited about it, and then there wasn't really that many people, there was, like, two or three people, like, looking at it. Yeah. And I think Ted Floyd had gone over there and looked at it, and he, he was the one that I think told me oh, okay. that it was there. And so then I was excited, like, not super, super excited, because, I mean, it's one of 400 lifers, like, yeah. it's, it's exciting, but it's. It's just another like you're you're you've already reached this pinnacle of excitement <laughs> where it's 
you're already so excited every single day that it's like it's it's an, another notch up, but it's no level from you, no different from your yeah. level of excitement that's kind of riding way high. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm, I get excited, and we, we all we all go over there, and then as soon as the word starts spreading, like apparently this is a lifer for almost everyone there. Yeah, and, and a lot of these people are like top um, top birders for the country, like. They're, they're at like 700 or 800, 900 birds in the country they've seen. Mm-hmm. And this is still a lifer for them. It's a, it's a fairly fairly uncommon bird to just see. So they're, everyone's getting excited. We have There's people running, like, like full-on <laughs> like running, like, like cartoon-style running with their arms way <laughs> up in the air. And they're running down the hill like, I got to get down here. So it was. It, it all of a sudden became a huge spectacle, and well, there was and hundreds of people gathered around the one scope. Yeah, and I was <laughs> the only person with a scope. <laughs> yeah. So like, I was trying to get my, you know, get it in there, and people were like shoving me out of the way because they were like, "I want to see it. I want to see it." It's like <laughs> it's not in there yet. <laughs> it's we don't have it in the scope yet. Slow down. Yeah. But so, it, it was it was dif- it was a difficult view. Yeah. Because, because of where it was at, it was way high in the tree. There was two of them actually. Way high in the tree, um, and kind of day roosting in a little shadowy spot. So and everybody was like bushwhacking, trying to get like a better view around it. Yeah, try, they're going here, going there, walking through puddles like in like ankle deep water. Like, I, oh, if I stay here, you can almost <laughs> see it here. And so everyone is so excited about it, and so that everyone there got on it. Um, Doug got a bunch of videos. I took a couple of pictures through my phone um, through the through the scope. And it was just that that was basically how everyone took pictures and got views of it is through through the one scope that we had, yeah, because <laughs> through the binoculars, you could barely tell what was going on, but uh but yeah, I don't know who initially found it I don't know I think it must have been somebody in the group that Ted was with um but it it definitely drew some excitement and created created a whole buzz, and literally the entire expo was there, <laughs> and so we're all trying yeah, it was su- super exciting. Yeah. So, so, yeah. So that was, yeah, really exciting, super cool, and, you know, kind of a really good culmination to birding in Uganda. Mm-hmm. Um, after that, after everybody got a look of it at it, Herbert was like, okay, and Herbert, you know, we've mentioned him a couple times, yeah. but he's the, you know, director of Bird Uganda Safari. Yeah, Herbert Birohenga. And the person who, you know, is really instrumental in getting this all together. Um, so he kind of gathered everybody up the hill towards where they had like chairs set up and everything. And that was where the, you know, kind of presentation, the afternoon presentation was for us yeah. all. Yeah. So we, we, we sat up there. He, he gave away, um, a bunch of prizes, um, for birders that have, um, made some, made some accomplishments and done some, done some feats of birding throughout the last, uh, throughout the last year. He had a couple competitions, um, for identifying birds, um, for stuff, so he had things to give away for people, yeah. um, and it was it was really exciting. There was some recognition, the um, uh, recognition of top birders. There was um, some some women birders that received uh, received the binoculars that Koa had donated. Yeah, so um, thanks to Koa Sporting Optics for that. Yeah, yeah. So so a lot of those were presented during the first day of the expo, but not everyone had made it to that first day. Mm-hmm. So the second day, the remaining people that didn't make it to that first day um, were presented the binoculars that were that had been donated. Um, so it, it was really, really exciting. And that, that was really the last day that we had a chance to be at the expo because we were mm-hmm. flying out the next day. Um, and there, a few, a few of us were flying out super early in the morning. It was kind of spread out throughout the day. So, um, we did, we didn't get to, um, go birding with them on the third day of the expo. I guess they went out, uh, I think close to where the shoe bill was, which was a couple hours. Yeah. Um, outside of, uh, 
Kampala. Yeah, so, so so they went. It was a some. It was a deep forest area that mm-hmm. had um, a different variety of species than what we would what we've seen throughout the thing. So it would have been kind of cool to go there, but we just didn't have time with the way the way flights lined up. Like our our group wasn't able to go out that way. Yeah. But um, but it looked like they had a great time. I saw a bunch of posts on on uh, Instagram and Facebook from them. So. Yeah. And it was so much fun to meet um, some of these folks in person that, you know, I've engaged with because of the International Mm -hmm. Conference for Women Birders, like Edwin was there and, you know, Judith and everybody that's like, I've talked to him on Zoom before, but I've never met him. Um, so that was really cool, but it was also just so much fun to, to make all these connections because we had people coming up to us. They're like, Hey, are you Hannah goes birding? And it's like, yeah, yeah. And they're like, Oh, I follow (laughs) you. It's like, it's just so wild, you know, to, to meet folks out in real life yeah. that you engage with online. Oh, that, that's something I wanted to say. I completely forgot. So, um, something that I noticed with, um, the Ugandans that we were talking to, a lot of them, the way they begin a conversation is they introduce themselves mm-hmm. and, um, that, that kind of drew some confusion, um, between me and, uh, George Armistead. <laughs> Um, cause there was this, there's this guy, um, that I follow on, in, on Instagram. Uh, he's a Ugandan traveler yeah. or Uganda, U, or Uganda or Ugandan. I can't remember. Oh, no. One of those two, um, underscore traveler. Um, great. He's, he's a bird guide down there. He's uh, posts some really, really funny content. Um, and his name's Eric. Yeah. And so he, he walked up to, um, to George and introduced himself. Hey, Eric. And, and, then and George is like, like, well, no, Eric's over there. <laughs> and then, and so, so then he, he was trying, he was trying to introduce himself to George. Um, but George is like, no, well, I'm George. <laughs> he's like, no, I'm Eric. And so it, it was a, they, they had a confusing thing there. And then he came over to me and we talked and it was the same thing. And I didn't realize that there was a confusion because I was like, oh, okay, I'm, I'm Eric. Yeah. And what's your name? He's like, Eric. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, all right. So I guess we're both Eric. Um, but then somebody else did confuse George for me yeah. somehow. Um, basically the same scenario, but they introduced themselves and then they asked, are you Eric? And so there, there was apparently me and George looked the same. Uh, me and George Armistead. Um, but I don't really see it, but... Apparently. I mean, I could see it. Yeah, but um, he has glasses. So. But yeah, I, I just thought that was an interesting little tidbit that uh, that when when they when the Ugandan uh, birders were coming up to us to like start a conversation, they would introduce themselves, and it was short and their name, mm-hmm. and so it was like, oh well, our it, it it was it was different. It was a different greeting than I was used to. Yeah, and I, and I think George was was not used to that that greeting either. So that was it, funny. it created some confusion. It was funny though because then it's like everybody's looking for Eric. <laughs> <laughs> it was like yes, we are this famous. <laughs> Apparently, little did we know his name is Eric, and he's just introducing himself to all of us. Uh, yeah. So that that was fun. But it was definitely time. nice to meet people that were that were um, friends with on Instagram and have been following for a while. Yeah. Yeah, it just, you know, kind of shows you it's a small world. You just have to travel 30-some-odd hours to get around it. <laughs> to get to the small world. Yeah. Um, so that was really the wrap-up of what we wanted to share with you all. Uh, but we did have some, like, you know, things to just be aware of if you're traveling to Uganda. And, you know, just things that we noticed while we were there. Like, one of the things that I really noticed was that everyone is really soft-spoken, yeah. Or most most of the folks that we engage with are really soft spoken mm-hmm. and you know talk quietly and like, I mean I'm not hard of hearing. I just 
I feel like there's probably there's like too much going on that if you talk softly, I have trouble like you know understanding you. Yeah. But we asked someone about it. Um, they were just you know saying that it's it's a form of respect to speak you know more yeah. quietly. You, you, and... you don't raise your voice to someone. Yeah. And so so you sp- speak softly to ensure that you're not raising your voice to them. And as I'm saying this, I'm noticing that I'm like I feel like I'm yelling right now. Yeah. We 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 talk we in in the United States like we're we're loud, annoying, and uh, just out there. So yeah. It's, everybody knows that. And uh, yeah. So like that was that was definitely a, a big cultural difference um though um mark was explaining that uh people from southern uganda are loud oh and they're 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 out there so there's different regions of uganda and there there was a bunch of jokes made during the expo about the the way you act if you come from different places the way you dance if you come from different places that was hilarious (laughs) so the whole dancing thing yeah. that if you come from the north and you you dance with your head and then if you go from, come from the south and you dance with your feet yeah yeah so it's all based on, on where you come where you come from <laughs> where, where your family's from but uh but yeah so you, ugandans generally um speak very softly and uh respectfully mm-hmm. um to so as not to not offend and everyone is super nice oh yeah like, yeah, and that's something, like, if you read, you know, travel information about going to Uganda, it's like, the people there are nice, and it's like, well, yeah, we experienced yeah, that. It, it was, yeah, it was not an over, over-exaggeration over huh. of uh, what's going on there. Yeah. Um, so, something else that uh, we've mentioned multiple times throughout um, these last couple of episodes is the road infrastructure mm-hmm. is not up to... Uh, not not up to American standards. It wasn't the worst in the world. We never yeah. we never got stuck because of it. We never had any kind of like horrible like mishap or anything like that. Um, but the road is bumpy, mm-hmm. and uh, just kind of be prepared. Um, as our driver Alex um, referred to it as a Ugandan massage. <laughs> as you're driving down the road, those bumps on the road, um, just come come to love them. Come to come to enjoy them. They're they're they'll be there, <laughs> and you'll uh, loose, loosen up everything in your body with the <laughs> with the rough road. So, um, yeah, so the couple things to be aware of and mm-hmm. also, you know, the, the bathroom situation, yeah. um, a lot of it is using, uh, pit toilets that don't have a toilet yeah. on the surface. Yeah. The, the squat toilets, yes. the, the pit toilet slash squat toilets. Yeah. Um, very common. So um, just be aware yeah. it's, they're easy enough to use. Just, yeah. I realized halfway through, it's like, this is why all the women wear skirts. <laughs> <laughs> Also, so the food, um, I know we're kind of jumping all over the place real quick in our wrap up, but, uh, the, the food, there was nothing that was crazy weird. Uh, fish is very common, mm-hmm. uh, especially tilapia. Yeah. Um, very, very common food. Uh, but most of the food is kind of just kind of standard, like potatoes or, uh, this stuff they called millet bread, mm-hmm. um, which is millet mixed with water. We only had that once. Oh, we no, were acting like we were eating a no, we, meal. No, we, we we only had it once. But je- but if you were to get like we, I saw it on the side of the side of the road. They'd have the mm. um the what was the tortillas called chapati the chapati um with uh, millet bread. You know? Oh, so I, I I saw that a bunch of times on the side of the road. So and chapati is really good. Uh, it's like a flatbread. Mm-hmm. If we and don't think we mentioned it. We, we talked about it a little Did bit. Did we? Okay. Them, yeah. Um. Yeah. So. Yeah, food there, you know, is uh, it's pretty basic, um, yeah. but yeah, good. Neat. It's what you need. It, it felt it filled all the needs. There was the chapati was delicious, yeah, and the fish was delicious, and usually and the, the soups were delicious. And the too. soups, oh my gosh, the soups were awesome. Yeah. So there's there's plenty plenty to eat. You're not gonna you're not gonna be hungry mm-hmm. going going through Uganda. So like we said, you know, this was a fam tour, and so we want to 
we, I mean, it was a really good experience yeah. and it was so, we felt so honored to, to be invited to come out and participate in this. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, we hope that we shared with you all enough that you feel comfortable, you know, going to Uganda. Yeah, at some and point. Yeah. I know we're going to go back for the International Conference for Women Birders in two years. And so we hope that some of you will consider coming and being a part of that. Um, but Eric, why do you think that people should go to Uganda? I, so I, my biggest, like I, I had two reasons why I think Uganda is absolutely worth traveling to. Um, you've got a huge diversity of, of birds. You've got over a thousand species of birds. Mm-hmm. Um, within an area that's the size of Oregon, it is difficult to get from place to place. So it kind of makes it seem bigger because it's not, it's not as easy to travel like someplace like, uh, like, uh, um, Costa Rica or Ecuador or something that you can fairly easily get from one side to the other. Yeah. Ecuador, I guess, isn't a good example. But, well, there were pretty good highways, like when we went out to Mindo. Well, well for like Northwestern Ecuador, there is. Yeah, but then we don't the rest know about of, the Southern. The, the rest of Ecuador kind of, it kind of sucks from like the roads and stuff. But, uh, um, Pretty pretty high diversity of birds. Pretty easy to get in general to different types of habitats. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also the mammal wildlife is just all over the place. It sound, I think there was one there was one section in northeastern Uganda that you could get rhinos. Yeah. Um, but we didn't we didn't go to that section, so I, I don't know for sure if that's actually true. But um, but we got all the other big game that um, you go to Africa to see. You got zebras you had hippos you had giraffes and elephants and lions Lions. and leopards and like you had all all of these things that you want to go to africa to see and we saw and we saw dozens of species of antelopes and warthogs and all all the stuff that you want to when when you go to africa this is what you want to see this is monitor lizards crocodiles yeah all that stuff so all that stuff is definitely worth a visit to uganda for and and then all the birds, like it's, it's, it's great for the birds. Yeah. Yeah. Why, why do you think that you should go to Africa? Well, go to Uganda <laughs> in Africa as opposed to another country in Africa. Well, I haven't been to anywhere else in Africa. I mean, so hopefully, that's why they, that's hopefully, why they should go. Hopefully at the recording or at the, when this is presented, that will have changed. That will have changed. Um, but I, I agree with the wildlife. I mean, the birds are incredible, of course, and you're going to see a lot of birds no matter where you go. But like any of the the countries, mm-hmm. um, you you'll probably see the wildlife. You know, most places too. I mean, mountain yeah. gorillas though. I, that's, I forgot about gorillas and chimpanzees. Yeah, those um, mountain gorillas, as I understand it, you can really only see them in Rwanda and Uganda. Mm-hmm. Um, but so, I mean, I definitely would encourage anyone to if you want to see elephants. We had some incredible elephant experiences. I have loved elephants and whales longer than I've loved birds, and so. Yeah. That was just something that really got me. Um, and the, the giraffe encounters, too, were just incredible. But the thing that really uh, makes me want to encourage, you know, traveling to Uganda is just how much they value tourism. Like, when we went to Fort Portal, which was the chimpanzee place and mm-hmm. the B-E-A-R-C, the Bigoti environmental um, ecotourism place. Yeah. You just, there were signs on the side of the road that was like, you know, welcome ecotourism, you know? Yeah. And, like, they were age signs, so, like, they were washed out. But it just goes to show you that, you know, this is a place that, that sees the value in tourism and wants it and is doing what they can to um, create responsible tourism. Yeah. They're, they're literally out there, like, we want birders to come here and 
you know, they they see that birders can can make help make change in this place. I often go to places and I'm like, what could improve you know, their livelihood. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, anywhere we go, I think that. Like, what is one thing that I could do to um, to better this place? Like, if I had all the money in the world, what could I do? Or even if I don't have all the money in the world. And, <laughs> you know, I was, when we were there, and I saw those signs about, like, tourism, it's like, well, this is what I can do. I can travel to these places and, you know, spend money in these places. And that's, that's showing you know, the, the tourism that they're trying to attract works. And so people can say a lot of things about tourism. You know, there's a lot of people that don't like tourism or don't, you know, like that people travel on planes to get places. But I really felt that us doing that and going and spending money there was having a big impact on these people's lives. Yeah, I agree. So that's what I would say. Like, I mean, it's a great birding location. There's a lot of great birding locations. But I really feel like traveling there is impacting others' lives. Yeah, yeah, I I definitely can get behind that uh, that sentiment. <laughs> Is that good? <laughs> That's good. Yeah, yeah. No, and and I I didn't I didn't want uh, like this last a little bit to sound like it's just like a marketing plea. Like you need to here here's here's why you need to blah blah blah. Well, but, yeah, and but it but it is it's it's legitimate. Like like that. I feel like both both my reason. I feel like my reason because I thought of it is is important, <laughs> um, but your reasons also like I feel I feel like it's super important. Like these people have um, designed, like it, it, they used to they used to just take 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 from the environment. That um, like Marcel Crevy lecture, like <laughs> you, they they didn't they didn't they they tortured the nature and then the nature tortured them. Yeah. Um, but you uh, <laughs> they 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 used to take they used to just farm and now they're shifting the economy towards a tourism um, economy mm-hmm. that is um, beneficial for the environment around them. And in order to do that, they need people coming. And yeah. if pe- if people aren't coming, then it kind of then they, then they're losing all of their money. They've they've lost they've 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 uh, made a made a conscious decision to go away from clear cutting and planting planting tea and bananas in um, virgin fo- rainforest. Mm-hmm. Made a conscious effort away from doing that towards preserving these places. And so then that's that's a cut in their in their money. It's it's cutting it's cutting their economy and hurting hurting them financially. Unless that benefits them, and mm-hmm. it and it does benefit them in some of the places like uh, windy impenetrable forest, it benefits those communities there that they have decided to stop clear cutting and yeah. allow the growth of this of this virgin forest and allow the expansion of the rainforest back into places like the um, the tea fields and stuff mm-hmm. like that. And what was it that like um, each person in Uganda lives on a dollar ninety a day or something like S- that? Something like that, yeah. And when we um, went with our guide up to the chimp or to the gorillas, you mm-hmm. know, they, Herbert made a big deal about like, you need to tip these people because they're not being paid to, to go on it. Yeah. They're doing, and when we were talking with our porters, like they have a chance once a month to go up and do this. And because there's so many people that, that want to go up and, and, you know, do this for their livelihood. Yeah. And so we, you know, tipped our, our porter, what we thought was reasonable. Mm-hmm. For the the efforts that they made and everything, because they had to push me up the hill. <laughs> um, and afterwards, we received an email from from my porter that said, you know, because of your your contribution, I was able to put food on the fa- on the table for my family tonight. Yeah. And you know, it, it was it's just it 
you know, so meaningful that like he's been emailing us back and forth and like sending us pictures and of the, the gorillas and everything. So it's just, it's so cool to see that, you know, they see the value of the tourists coming in and spending money versus what he would have done before was tea harvesting. Yeah. And, you know, you have to cut down the rainforest to plant more tea plantations and that they're protecting the forest now because of tourists want to come and see these gorillas. Yeah. And and there's a lot, that's the one example that was like big and out there, there, but there's tons of examples of that all throughout the whole country. So Yeah. So, Go to Uganda. <laughs> <laughs> if you have any additional questions about traveling to Uganda, you know, we're happy to answer them. So just send us an email or post on our socials or something. I know a lot of people wanted to know about the food. I hope we clearly um, told you about the food situation yeah. that was if, there. If not, we can send, send us an email and we'll, we'll answer any questions. Yeah. Um, but I think that's about all the time we have for this episode. So wrapping it up with Uganda. Ra- wrapping it up. Um, we're moving on to other things <laughs> for our next episode. Yes. Um, but thank you guys all for listening to our podcast. We hope you enjoyed it and or learned something new. Please, please, please rate, review, and subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Music, Alexa, anywhere else that you listen to us. Um, if you'd like to connect with us on the socials, you can follow us at Hannah Goes Birding and Eric Goes Birding on Instagram. Uh, you can follow us at We Go Birding on Twitter. You can follow us at Hannah and Eric Go Birding on TikTok. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. There's so many social medias. It's hard. It's it's hard to even remember them, let alone uh, post on them all the time. <laughs> um, we have our website at www.gobirdingpodcast.com. You can also send us an email at Hannah and Eric Go Birding at gmail.com. Tell us what you like. Tell us what you hated, and share us with your friends.